So I remember many years ago, I did a course at university and it was an ethics course. I still remember the title of the course. It was called The Philosophy of Life and Death. And in fact, I never nearly, very nearly never took the course because it sounded a bit morbid, you know, and uh, I was a bit put off by the title, but I took it anyway. And it was a really fascinating course, looking at all sorts of different kinds of ethical dilemmas. And I loved it, you know, I really did enjoy it. But one of the things that I noticed when I was doing my essays and having to write up what I thought on particular things and having to come up with something that was coherent, you know, that was a cogent argument to support the position that I was taking. It was very easy to tie myself up in knots because I'd come up with an explanation of something and I'd think, oh, that's right. And then I'd realise one of the implications of that line of thought was something that I was pretty queasy with. It's like, oh, oh, the logical outcome of what I'm saying there, if applied here, would mean that. Ugh, I don't like the sound of that much. And so in response to this, ugh, sense that I was having of myself, I, I would then, right, I need to revisit that. So I'd change it, you know, I'd come up with a slightly different way of still getting the first thing that I wanted, but now trying to avoid that thing that made me feel queasy. And I'd come up with something else and then I'd be like, yeah, but, oh, if you now add that factor into it, if you add that justification or that rule, now it means that that's allowed. And then I go, oh, no, I don't like the sound of that. And so I'd feel queasy again and then I'd rewrite everything and I'd get myself into all these all these kind of knots while I was doing the assignment. And then one day I was in this kind of internal knot tying once again where I was feeling queasy about the position that was the logical conclusion of something that I'd set out as an, an ethical rule. And was rewriting it again to try and make it fit. And I thought, hang on, hang on, is this what ethical philosophy actually is? It's me feeling queasy about a certain rule that I've developed. And so I, I try and develop another rule to take the queasiness away. Is this just me kind of rationalising what feels off for me? Am I really just kind of coming up with some coherent way to justify whether I feel okay with something or whether I feel repelled by it? Is this really some sort of rational exercise? Or is my gut here calling the shots and telling my mind to come up with a good story that would fit it? And it seemed perfectly obvious to me in that moment, in that epiphany, that actually that that was exactly what was going on. That it wasn't some sort of reasoned intellectual pursuit at all. It was my stomach going, oh no, I can't stomach that. And then my brain would then try and find some rational way to give my stomach something that it felt settled with 
rather than something that it felt repelled by. And so it was certainly the gut, my feelings that were calling the shots. And then my brain was called in to come up with a suitable story, a suitable set of rules that would keep my belly happy, would keep my feelings okay and settled. And I'm reminded of that because it's what the writer Rory Sutherland refers to as that your mind isn't the place of reason and invention, but it's instead your kind of PR and legal department. So the way he describes it is that essentially that our gut, our sensor of feeling sense kind of comes up with a decision to do a certain thing. And once we've made the decision, we then call the mind in to justify it. Our PR and legal department. Right, we've got this decision here for you. Come on in and let's make sense of that so that we can actually justify it to the outside world and to ourselves. And in fact, there's a word for this. It's called confabulation. It's a lovely word, isn't it? Confabulation. And it simply describes that sense where we create and confect a story to make sense of or to justify what's just happened or why we think a certain way or why we act the way we do. And there's been quite a few experiments on this where, you know, patients with a, who've gone through a, a split brain operation, um, which without getting too technical means that you can actually give an instruction to one part of the brain and the other part of the brain actually won't know. And so there'll be an instruction that will say, get up and walk. The person follows the instruction, get up and walk. And when the scientist says, why are you walking? They don't actually know, you know, because of the split brain operation. It's not being passed to the other side of the brain. So they don't know why they're walking. And yet they still come up with a reason. They'll say, oh, I was thirsty. So I'm going to the kitchen. And the researcher knows really that it was because they were told to. And so these studies in confabulation kind of confirm that this is really how we operate. We have kind of a feeling. Are we moving towards something or are we moving away from something? That we'll either be repelled or attracted. And if we're attracted, we'll then come up with a story that explains why it is that we're attracted. But the story comes later. It's the attraction that happens first. And if we're repelled by something, we step away from it. And then we come up with a story that justifies and explains some sort of story as to why we're repelled from it. But again, it comes in later, as Rory Sutherland said, it's our PR and legal department rather than some kind of source of great reason. It's there to explain what we do rather than to really create what we do. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that it gets to the heart of story. Because often one of the things that will limit us hugely is our story. The story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. The way we think of ourselves. The way we describe who we are. And our place in the world, our story. 
And so it's interesting to note, isn't it, that in every little action where we explain, why did you do that? Why did you do this? We're constantly asking ourselves that question. Why did we do this? Why did that happen? Why did that person over there do the other? In every one of those interactions, we're creating a story. We're creating this confabulation. We're bringing in that PR and legal department in order to explain the world, not necessarily in a true way, but just in a way that makes sense. Because just like me with my ethics assignment, what I was using my brain for there was to bring it in just to try and make sense in a coherent in a coherent and apparently reasoned way, but just to try and make sense of what it was that I was feeling. And yet really I was just creating a story, creating a set of rules, and I was really being led by something else entirely. And so that's all to say that we make stories up. That's what we do as human beings. But if we recognise that we're making stories up, if we can have that epiphany that I had about my ethical philosophy assignment, if we can have that understanding, that realisation, that a lot of the time what we're really doing, or pretty much all the time, is making up stories just to make sense, to make meaning of things. And that doesn't mean they're true. It just means that it can answer why for us effectively. So then the brain can move on and do other things that are more important. So when we feel limited by some of the explanations we give ourselves, when we understand that it is just a story, that it is just a confection, that it is just something that we've made up, like calling the legal and PR department to try and explain this. Hopefully what we can do is maybe choose a different story, maybe not feel so attached to the story that we've carried around with us all of our lives because we realise too that it's just something that we made up after the fact to try and explain how things are with us, why things have happened in the way that they have, why we've decided to do certain things, why we've chosen certain actions. And if the story that we've ended up weaving for ourselves is one that's getting in our way, well, isn't this a helpful realisation to know that it is actually just a story? And if we're going to be confabulating and confecting and making this stuff up, we could actually make up a story that doesn't get in our way, but actually helps us out instead. And so if this idea is useful, then please share it around. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get them or watch them on a sliceoftherapy.com or you can work with me direct. I'm Alan Parry from the Liverpool Psychotherapy Practice and you can find me at liverpoolpsychotherapy.co.uk. So thanks for listening and I'll be back with another tomorrow.